I am unashamed. What about you? So that was a joy on the last podcast to have Larry Bowles. He, he's just the kind of guy, I mean, we really, you made a great point about, like, he's, you know, a fireman. He, you wouldn't think. Well, he's self-taught. He just studied. But, but he, you know, he did a radical thing wherein, in the name of Jesus, he said, I'm going to go out here to a mission field in a place that you would think a guy from Oklahoma would never want to be stuck in because it's just a big city. But he has all the history, and he's a lot smarter than he looks. Which is, <laughs> he's like an old Airedale dog, Dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, over there, he would do four-hour classes. And uh, and you sat in on some of them. I, I sat in I've on I've seen them you in four-hour classes. Out. It didn't go well. I had ADD before. That was a thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm not as bad as Willie. Willie, I, I watch him. You know, sometimes we're in church. I watch Willie. He starts squirming after five minutes. Well, I'm like even... 20, 20 minutes I start squirming because it's just hard for me to sit anywhere and do Usually he's thing. up and out of the room. He's got to he move gone. around. He's... I'll see him. I was like, yep, he gone. He just couldn't. <laughs> he's but a bit high strung. He's like, oh. If I sit Johnny there and Ringo. listen to a guy for four hours, you can bet that, that he's got something to say. So I'm really impressed with him because well, he's got a pure heart and he's doing it for the Lord. And I mean, I'm not making light of Greece. Look, I enjoyed it or whatever, but the fact that I would, if I had to go there for 10 years, I'm just not a big city guy. And he's not either, but he's doing it because he believes that's what the Lord wants him to do. Well, and we didn't get into this on the last podcast because we've talked about the last time he was on the podcast before yesterday. But he, the thing about it is, he, the impact he's having in the Middle East, I think that's what I'm excited about because. You know, we've been we've been fighting over there for twenty some years. We've been trying to change it by political will or war, and it ain't working. I mean, <laughs> I believe that with all sincerity. I was I'm involved in the war on terror. Yeah, because through Jesus, that can change the heart. It's not about the weapons they're using. That right. You're never going to be able to take away all that. You're nope. you're, you're not going to attack it politically. You say, how do you change a country? You do it with a small group of people men and women and families who fall in love with Jesus and that love can resonate and take off like a wildfire because these people are driven. You've just given the reason for the latest book we're coming out with. Uncanceled. Uncanceled. You're welcome. Yep. I didn't even realize I was doing that. You did. And he's right. And and the thing about it is, Jace, the people that you met are willing to risk their life to then you know, mostly via the internet, but to go back into the culture and say, look, here's what we learned. And so, you know, just like you see in communist China, you're seeing a a groundswell of underground believers, which by the way, is exactly how the first century church started. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was pushed underground because of persecution because you had the Romans and the Jews. You won't change, you won't change the world by dictators, prime ministers, presidents, wars, they're just flawed individuals. Yep. You try to get the best one to represent the people that you can. But at the end of the day, only God through Jesus can remove sin and raise you from the dead. The All governments right. can't. That's it's right. just like what we're in. And we're in First Corinthians 9. It's the same thing. He doesn't have to go over there and do that. He's not com- compelled by some kind of no. forcibly, oh, uh, it's my duty. And now you can say he's doing his duty to the Lord. What it, but of all the things you would choose, you just wouldn't choose that. I went over there. It's like, you're talking about miserable. Because <laughs> I kept thinking, why are you here? I kept saying that. And he's like, I'm here for the Lord. There's nothing comfortable about that area for a guy where he's from. Right. But it, it finally hit me. I thought, you know what? He's just decided this is what he's doing. Yeah. Him and his wife, they're just on the front edge of making the world literally a better place through, through yeah. Jesus and the love he brings. Well, I always enjoy having him on with our group, so we'll try to do that a little bit more. So you went, so you were off from uh, filming last week, so you got a little off. R&R. Tell us what you did. I mean, look, I was this, I don't know why. 
our listeners talked me into doing this show because I <laughs> underestimated. So did you hear that yeah. unashamed nation? It's your fault now that Jace is being. I mean, I feel <laughs> it's your good. fault if you had just said no, then he would. <laughs> I feel good about it, but I didn't think about. I mean, I feel good. We're like four or five episodes in now, and I'm and I think it's going to be something we can all be happy about because the true treasure in life comes from these godly spiritual qualities and relationships. However, I mean, it's daylight to dark. And then when I get home, you know, it's phone calls about what we're doing next. I mean, it just never stops. So I had to go decompress. Missy was like, let's go see the grandbaby. She just, it's not like she needed an excuse for that. (laughs) Oh yeah. But it did hit me, and, and uh, you know, I'm going to give you a physical illustration for about, you know, Ephesians 6 here. We're, we're in a spiritual war, and we have the armor of God that God has supplied. But I'm going to give you a good illustration of how this happens and sometimes how we don't understand what's going on. So here's Missy. Look, she has yuppie tendencies. That, that's a nice way of saying <laughs> She's the total opposite from me and everything outside of Jesus and our kids. That's well documented. But she wanted to be closer to the grandkids, and so we had a fortunate blessing happen at the sale of our house in Austin. So we just exchanged it for a little farm that's on the top of a mountain in the middle of Tennessee. Well, here's what I've I've noticed. If you put a bunch of chickens and goats at the top of a hill in a very wooded area, the predators are coming. <laughs> They're coming. It's the circle of life, Jess. Everybody loves chickens. Every animal loves chickens. I mean, then once they get on it, they're not getting off of it. So when we acquired the property, they left the chickens and the goats. We had 30 chickens at one time. Now we have six. So... I thought Missy wanted me to come up there and see the grandbaby. But when I got up there real quick, I figured out, no, there's there's a different reason. She wants me to figure out what's killing these chickens <laughs> and attacking the goats. And the third part of this, this kind of coup was that in the winter up there, when you're on the top of a hill in a nice heated environment, mice from miles around, go to the top of that mountain, and they enter your house. Well, I don't have any chickens, but there's currently a not-mice infestation. It's a rat, wharf rats. uh, They're about a foot long. From one end to the other, they're about a foot long. And they have descended on my little house. It's about... 30 years, 40, how old was that thing? 76, 30, but 40, it, was, yeah, it was another 10 years before that. It's about 50-year-old so house, 50 and they have months. found ways inside my house, and we started first hearing them. Now you walk over there, you see a rat take off. So the rats have moved in <laughs> among us. But I am, I'm retaliating with the glue that they run over, and they just <laughs> they stick, you know. One, one I noticed, I, all I had when I looked, checked my trap, was his tail. He got stuck in the glue. That's where it works. And you knock him in the head and throw him in the trash, take him outside and throw him in the trash. But, you know, this one, just his tail was there. He ate his tail off because his tail evidently was the only thing holding. This is getting rated rated R real quick. Oh. Uh, Look, I showed Cable your mama. I showed her one last night. I'm I'm currently on the offense. I'm trapping them. I'm poisoning them, and they're dying. And and they and and I had one, a big one last night. She said I heard one while ago. I said, "Where'd you hear him?" She told me on the front porch out there on the porch. I heard right in there. I I took a step, and I saw him flash get behind the refrigerator that's out there. Two freezers and a refrigerator. I saw where he went. I set my traps out quick, the glue ones, and within five minutes, she said, "I heard I heard something out there." I go out there. And I see him, and all four wheels are stuck in the mud. <laughs> yeah. He's he can't go anywhere. So I mean, look, well, I didn't even you realize. knock him in the head. I go in there, kind of like on a platter, and I showed it to your mother, and she just ah! 
<laughs> she screamed. <laughs> I didn't know. Realize. Well, they, you wash your hands real well after doing this. You know, you're knocking rats in the head. Well, your butler had sent me a a picture of where he had moved the gun cabinet, and it was a pile of dog food like I've never seen, and acorns and everything. Ten to fifteen pounds of dog food had been taken from the little trays where we feed the dogs on the porch. So the rats are taking them to the, the rats place. were taking and it and one at a time and it was a mountain of that underneath the gun cabinet. Did you see the house. potatoes that were growing? Yeah, I saw, I saw the potatoes <laughs> were growing in the dog food, so they liked potatoes too. But it he, was like a little farm inside so the So whatever house. diseases wharf rats have you got them. We 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 love to get them. <laughs> so, so probably made you immune to the yeah. current diseases. But this what is I, make the kill, wash the hands. Make the kill, wash the hands. That's what we're doing well, right mama now. Mama says she said I'm not sleeping with us. It wasn't matter. So she starts telling me about this. She said, Yeah, Mia came out and spent the night with us. Oh wow! But she said she was in. She heard the story about us talking about all the rats. And I guess she's like her mama. She ain't much on all that. No. So she was sleeping in the guest room. So she goes in and wakes mom up at 1230 and said, I'm okay. There's a rat in my room. I hear some scratching. So they spent the night on the two couches in oh, the living now room. Now there's <laughs> traps inside that area where they were sleeping, yeah. trying to meet me. Trying. You said, well, why don't you get some professionals to go out there, you know? Well, That's it's just, what I it's just rat killing. I no, know no, what I mean, trapping's all about. Well, let me tell you this. But I've got them coming, the professionals, no. with oh. whatever it takes. Well, okay, when good. I caught, got called, I go up there and I assess the situation. So I went out, and I'm looking at the landscape. It's what's different. killing the chickens? Yeah, what's killing the chickens? So, Mink, bobcat. So I looked around stump. and thought, yeah, the two suspects <clears throat> probably are the bobcats and the coyotes. But, so I went metal detecting on my property the first afternoon because it was the best weather. Well, I'm coming back to the house. Well, I got a shovel and a metal detector. And I get, I'm climbing the mountain. I'm almost to the house. I hear a big racket. I look up. I thought it was two dogs. And here comes two coyotes, literally 20 feet from me. And they looked at me like, what are you? Yeah, why are you here? And just kept on going like <laughs> no biggie. So I took off running up the mountain, dropped the metal detector, Grabbed my 22 rifle, which I probably should have grabbed a bigger caliber gun, but it just, in the heat of the moment, I was thinking a properly placed 22 bullet is not to be underestimated. And so I grabbed it. I went on the other side of the mountain. Well, when I got down there and, and looked, of course, they're gone. I thought it was a long shot. And so I look around and I see a glimpse. Well, here comes another one. Now, I know it's a different coyote coyote just because he just looked different mm -hmm. so i'm like well look at here so i pull up well he stopped behind a bush and looked at me but I, I i wasn't i was i was underestimating the amount of ground brush that's there it's not like here where everything's flat and anything just grass you can shoot through but I, I thought to myself, well, he thinks he's hiding behind this bush. That's a mistake. Because I could barely see the outline of him behind the bush. Yeah. So I pop, and I'm thinking, that's a heart shot. But he took off like I didn't hit him. But when I got down there and looked, well, that bush was way more hardy than I realized. I thought, there's no way that bullet would have gone through there. And, in fact, I looked at it to the point to where I saw where my bullet went through about five of the prickly little branches and i yeah. thought nope <laughs> so i come up there i tell missy the story she's like you just shot at a coyote i said yeah she's like and you didn't kill him what's wrong with you i was like hey wait a minute here she's like we need to call some professionals i was like hey this is a war that will never end and she said, what do you mean? I said, you can't get a house on top of a hill, put a bunch of chickens up there, and think that some war is going to end in five minutes. You know? I said, but I let them know from now on, <laughs> things have changed. <laughs> when you see me, there will be no casual look. She, she was thinking the, the war could end with one shot fired. Oh, That's... Wow, it escalated into an argument because she was attacking my <laughs> dignity as a hunter. I said, hey... This is not going to stop. You can't move to the woods and all of a sudden think, oh, we have mice in the house. There's coyotes getting our chickens. It's like, this will never end. I, I, I would it. simply say, get more firepower. Exactly. <laughs> well, that'll help. <clears throat> Let's take another break. 
So one of the things I, I guess I can safely say that we've we already kind of knew, but the when the pandemic came along, we figured out pretty quickly that the Almighty makes the best immune system just in the human body, right? I mean, so, all the things that people say, claim they can do, whether it's the government or a big farmer or somebody else, the Almighty does it best. And some of the natural things that help us, because, you know, the thing about it is if your immune system is strong, no matter what the virus that comes along is, you know, we know lately it's COVID, but, you know, there's been flu, there's been a lot of bad bugs, right? Polio. All kinds of stuff. And so one of our sponsors, one of our new sponsors, is a great company called Z-Stack. And what they do is they're all about boosting your immune system. And so they have a supplement um, that has, you know, again, natural things in it that help you and front load. And so the key is you need to be taking this now, not just about COVID, but about anything, because you want your body to be ready for whatever viruses come along. I have a feeling this probably won't be the last one that comes along. So stay ahead of any potential future variants or any other uh, viruses that come along to boost your immune system. Go to zstacklife.com slash unashamed. Enter the promo code unashamed to get a small discount off your first order. That's Z, the letter Z, stacklife.com slash unashamed. Use the promo code unashamed and get that system built up for immunity. So then she said, well, I called a professional. You know, he came up and put some mousetraps out. And yeah. put some I was like, when did that happen? Ten day, days ago. I said, well, did that stop? And she said, I've actually seen more since. I yeah. said, "What? I am the professional. <laughs> I was like, but you can't get instant access. It's a war. And I was making this illustration to go back to my spiritual thing. They're, they're never going to stop coming. I said, they're coming. Yep. You battle them, you get the first ones right off the bat. Because she said, well, what's your plan? I said, this is the plan. When I see them, I shoot at them. I said, but I keep going, and they keep coming, and at some point, the tide will turn, and this place will become a, a coyote burial ground. I was like, but it's a long-term process. And she said, well, I'm out of here until something gives, until the tide turns. I'm like, well, fine. So that's how we left it. <laughs> Yeah. Hang on, let's take a break. Well, so that's exactly, Jay's the what what what's funny to me is that anybody that's living that's listening that listen that lives in a a farm somewhere in the middle of a field or in the woods, either one, they know exactly what y'all are describing because it's life every day. You know, well, you look, get in the wintertime, the varmints are coming. Precisely. So it's no no this is no surprise, but about the third day I was there, I went scouting. I thought maybe we could do a, you know, an episode up there. Some people had written in to the podcast and said they had some historical places. Well, the first one I went was a yuppie guy. You know, him and his wife, he had, they have nine kids, and they're living out in the middle of the country. But I could tell real quick, just in a conversation, this guy has yuppie tendencies. <laughs> and uh, so I was telling him, just about what we do and what the show's about. And he's like, hey, I got a question for you. You're a hunter. He's like, I have, we had a bunch of chickens, but they're all dead. And I'm trying to figure out. I was like, oh, here we go. So I, I said, I can't wait till I get back and tell Missy. Guess what? This is going on statewide. <laughs> oh, there yeah. are chickens it's and they're a... under attack. We got too many coats. That's right. And there'll all be always be an ongoing battle with them. You're not going to clean them Which out. Which was my point, and it's just like from a spiritual perspective, this is an ongoing battle of, of good and evil. God has given us the ability to choose, but he's also given us his son as the answer to whatever the problem is and a launching pad for a new beginning. And then it, you just pick a side, and Jesus' side is going to win. So. so so is the the only other than man is the only natural predator of the coyote, like a bobcat or some kind of big cat, what kills him? Is, is humans. That, is is yeah, humans that, only? Or will a big cat eat a kill not, a cat? Well, but I mean these Mountain lion, cats. maybe. They're probably not in a big mountain lion country. No, uh, we're coyotes not. Coyotes would be, they're, 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 they're in cities walking around in the streets. Oh, yeah. you know, so if you don't do something about them, they will overcome there will be no chickens well, being raised. Well, look, the too. third day, I had, we had a bobcat come up. Because now I'm hunting. I'm just 
hunting them. <laughs> and I forget look, treasure hunting. You're I, hunting hunting. I missed more this week than I've missed in my life. I, I missed a bobcat. I mean, it was a quick shot, and it just, I, you know, I took it and I missed him. But and she's like, "Why do you keep missing?" I mean, I was like, "Hey, I'm not gonna come up here and With defend." Questions like that—that's a threat to your manhood. No, I'm like, I'm in a country that I'm not familiar with with the lay of the land and i had a quick shot and i took it and it was a bobcat and she was like i mean i just can't believe this is happening and so here, here we go again i thought we're gonna be arguing about this week i'm early pioneers if you could just reel back quickly and get all the records of uh, evidently you're in a mountain range. What mountain range is it? I have no idea, but I'll do some research. Yeah, there's know. Some, uh, you know, it's, it's probably the Smoky Mountain. It's hill country up in I mean, what Tennessee. I'm calling a mountain but is Those a old hill. Tennessee people that live there, you talk to the old ones, and they'll, they'll, they'll give you a little insight into that. Now, you start with traps and all that, but then you got people's dogs, your dogs. Well, that's what I told her. I yeah. said, I can't go by, because we're on the top of this hill, but it's actually a neighborhood, but it's real scattered out. While in the valley... There's, I'm surrounded by houses, and I'm like, number one, I'm not shooting towards somebody's house, even though I'm far enough away. Yeah. But it just as a general rule, you don't do that. Right. I say like, you can't use any kind of steel traps or poison or all no. that because it's you've got Other, different people's. Right, dog. We have a dog, the goat herder dog. I don't want him to go. I was like, so that I'm limited. If I was just out in the middle of nowhere, like over at your land. Well, the, the rules of engagement change there. That's true. Because you're just firing at will, using all kind of traps, because there's nothing out there except predators and yep. prey. I mean, that's it. Of course, it. one of the things she's missing is that just by you taking them on, you're building a fear into them that they didn't so, have from before. I said, the problem is, I've only been here three times. I said, and these people at the lower bottom, they're not. They're, they have open pastures out in their yard. Right. All this is going on up here. And I said, we have the bait, which is our chickens. That's it. Said, They're coming for the chickens. Yeah. And the mice are coming to get warm. Yep. So, And it's the, the best place to hide is, is up here. I said, like, it's like any kind of battle or war. We're at the top of the hill. It's a fortress. And we have something that they want. They're coming. So I don't know why you wanted to buy this place. I mean, it just escalated into a typical marriage argument. I'm like. Then it was like, why are we even here? That's where it got. Why are we even here? I was like, you're going to have to be patient. Where yuppie women meet predators uh, as such as bobcats. And probably wolves in some part of the country. They Coyotes. they reinstated. Don't tell the, her that. They put the wolves. <laughs> they brought wolves in. They thought they was going to run out of wolves. So now they're all over Montana, Wyoming, all up through there. Oh, the wolves are preying on the ranchers' cattle. Oh, it's a bone to beat you. you know, the mountain there. men thing. It's showing how they do and how they yeah. try to get them to slow them down. But most people don't understand that. They're just too ignorant to understand that. You just can't live in harmony with with wild animals. It's, yeah. it's they're they're after whatever you chickens. Not if me. you want eggs every morning. I can tell you that. <laughs> That's exactly right. So I said, hey, let's go in there and make some omelets and just what few eggs we have left here, and I'll take care of it. But just you got to give me a little time. You know? <laughs> There's patience in this game. And I guess at the end of the line, if you ever if they get all the chickens, you'll just have to go back to buying eggs like everybody else does. No, I just said we'll get some more chickens. Or you can get some more chickens. You got to remember they eat. Uh, we see the signs of it all the time. You walk up, you're driving along on a four-wheeler, and you look in the middle of the road, and there's a fresh kill, and all that's left is maybe one hind quarter and part of the rib cage, baby deer, fawn. Well, you say, hmm, it's either coyote probably, maybe a big bobcat. We see bobcats. We, we see, see coyote. The world, they have to eat, yeah. so they, they, they come after the deer over here, and it's a thinning process, you know. Yeah. So you just kind of got to remember, backwater runs them out, so this is not, it could be worse. We were up on a hill like he's talking about. The backwater's not going to run them out of there. That's right. They're, they're, when, when you don't have God as the center. They're ingrained in the terrain. Yeah. When you don't have God as the center, though, you come up. I saw an article today. No joke. Now, you can't make this stuff up. They're like, now the scientists have said, well, the deer herds have now obtained the coronavirus. So they're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And I'm like, if these people 
and I'm assuming these are yuppie people. God love them. If we start lining up deer herds and try to vaccinate them, <laughs> I'm out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? No. Yeah. Or if, you know, we're going to try to mask the deer herd. <laughs> I don't think masks and vaccines are going to work. <laughs> Y'all think I'm making this up, but this is, they're, they're actually, there are people in, in rooms having meetings. It doesn't what, surprise me. What are we going to do about the deer herds now having coronavirus? Because er- everything we're working for is not going to work if... They're not wearing masks, and they don't have vaccine. It's a way for them to do away with deer hunting. A lot of people deer hunt in the United States, millions. Well, it might excel it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah, exactly right. I don't know if that would which which part of that spectrum it goes. Well, I'm glad to see, Jace, you're on the case, and so you're going to get to the resolution. So, Trust me, I will get it done. I mean, it's personal now, but it takes time. But I did think it was a good analogy for what we're talking about. I mean, it never ends. You wake up every day, and it's a process, and that's just like living a Christian life, you know? I mean— that's, that's no, you're, it, you're right. And there's always there are always enemies. There are always the insidious things that are always working against you, which is true. I mean, there's a verse in Second Corinthians that says, what is the one that says of uh, the weapons we fight with? Yeah, this is Second Corinthians ten three. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not of the weapon are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to christ which goes into what we're studying paul was trying to get the corinthians to realize that jesus is the filter for the decision making process even the stuff that's hard to wrap your head around even the things you're free to do he was saying in some cases I'm not going to exercise my freedom because if I can use that to promote Jesus by neglecting myself, I'll do it. Right. I mean, isn't that what 1 Corinthians 9 is about? It is. Uh, let's take another break. So one of my favorite sponsors is a, is a product I've been using for many years before they were sponsors on the Unashamed podcast is a Tommy John's underwear. And, you know, I never thought that that would be something I would care about, to be honest. I mean, you know, it's not like something we grew up putting a lot of importance on. You spend more time in a pair of underwear than anywhere else. That's right, because no matter what's going on the outside, that's the one that's the most intimate. Is Comfort the, is the key, Al. Comfort is the key. So Tom, it says here on, on their ad that Tommy John doesn't just have customers, they have fanatics. And I, I'm a, a living proof of that. So we all wear them. We love them. They're very comfortable. They don't ride. They don't roll down. You know, they don't droop, you know, like a lot of other underwear do. So uh, shipping and returns are free uh, because every pair is backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free. Really good product. You're going to love them. You get 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash Phil. So you go to TommyJohn.com slash Phil, 20% off TommyJohn.com slash Phil. See their site for details. It is, Jace, and and back to just to set the stage for it, in Chapter 8, a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about the food sacrificed idols, and just like we said in Chapter 7, we were talking with Larry, we're we're only getting the answers to questions that he was asked, because we don't have privy to the letter they sent to him. And I think that's by, God didn't, he didn't do that by accident. Right. I mean, because the bottom line, the theme here right. is if you get Jesus figured out, the rest will take care of itself. Don't worry about the small stuff. Right. I mean, if he felt like we needed to have the gory details of all this situation in their culture, we'd have the first two letters, but right. we don't have right. them. And, and I think it goes to the point of what we were talking about, that most of the questions weren't the right questions anyway. <laughs> I mean, part of the whole idea of the book is the reason there are so many questions is they don't understand that if Jesus were first— we wouldn't have these problems. Remember, we yeah. talk, we, at the very first of the book, we talked about these people are following men yeah. instead of Christ. So well, that, let me give you an illustration, and I want to read this second Corinthians, because I, I thought about doing this last podcast, and uh, but I just I didn't. But you know when you have in a court of law, and you're trying to get to the truth, 
And these lawyers that get up there and they'll ask these questions, you know. And then these, or even in the, uh, you know, when you see these politicians, when they have these Congress boards and they're all mm-hmm. like, and especially someone they don't agree with, they're like, yes or no. They'll, they'll try to get it down to a yes or no question because that they don't want you to opine on whatever. No right? pontification. Yeah. Just give and me the so yes like, or the no. Yes or no, because then they're trying to lay a trap. Right. Where you once they have you in the trap, then they'll give the explanation for why you, if you said yes to this, you know they and this goes on in our society and our culture, and so when you're trying to figure out these difficult issues, or here we two thousand years later seeing how this applies to us and the problems at Corinth, when Second Corinthians one, which this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, he gets to verse eighteen, and I, and we'll get to this in a deeper form later. But it says, "But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no." And and just to use my illustration, if you're looking at a chapter in the Bible and you're trying to dial in the exact meaning of every situation and circumstance in a yes or no form, where all the boxes are checked in your mind that you have it quotation marks figured out in every detail you're going to live a frustrated christian life because it's not about that but he says for the son of god jesus christ verse 19 who was preached among you by me silas timothy was not yes and no but in him it's always been yes for no matter how many promises god has made they are yes in christ and so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So that's what I wanted to say is that, I mean, these are difficult things we're reading. We don't have food sacrificed to idols now, wondering whether we can eat it or not. Is that, oh, that was given to a demon. I can't eat it because that's sacrilegious. Or what about that? What's, answer the question, yes or no. Can I eat food sacrificed to an idol? And so I think eventually when you read something like that, he was trying to say, it's about Jesus. That's what it's about. Right. That's the filtering system. That That's the different war we use. We have all these thoughts and confusion and questions, and we make them obedient to Christ and remember that the proclamation of him through people is really what we should be doing, not worrying about, oh, what can I get away with or what can I can and can't do in all the little decision-making process involved around yeah, the They'll ask you questions. The question, to elaborate on your what you said, do you think it's right to get ready because yep. there's no telling what you're fixing to hear? Right. Do you think it's right to? Do you think it's right to? That's what they would say. All right. So or even to go back what Larry said, they'll say, "Well, now, do you think it's right if a woman, if she speaks at the front of the church building, or you know, in a, a group of people?" Now, could she speak out in the parking lot? And do it because they read First Corinthians fourteen, which we addressed that, and Larry did awesome mm-hmm. about that. Which we'll talk more when we get there. But I'm saying, in all these issues, there's a lot of religious groups who are systematically, in a lawyer type fashion, trying to get yes and no answers to every specific situation that's ever been in the history of humanity well, yeah, and all a- cultures, and ha- make it all fit. And guess what? If you don't agree, if you say no, and we think yes. Move. Even so, the Lord's Supper that we remember all the time, but there's always been this these factions in different places on how the the blood is dispensed, the wine that for, to us is the blood of Christ, and the bread that we eat is His body. How that's dispensed has been a age old argument. And when, I mean, who and does when. the dispensing? I mean, is it males? Is it females? Who actually? You see what I'm saying? Well, and that's the thing about it. Over two thousand years, we did got, the women get this wine and pour it in there, or was it men involved? Did the women? Whoa! Well, really? we've got people in our world today in 2022 <laughs> who say, you know what? I'm pretty sure that back here they used one cup. Instead yeah. of little cups. Yeah. So we got to have one cup. Because it says cup, not S on it. And cup. if you say, well, you know, I don't think it really matters. It's about what it represents. And they're like, you may go. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, I mean, I, I, we're laughing just to keep from crying. Right. But I'm saying in all these issues, that's why when he said in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, which I think is the lead in to what he's the 
illustration he's using in chapter 9. He says, be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Because this is what throws Christianity, and especially people who are rule-oriented, just into chaos. Because he's saying, yeah, his actually his answer was, yeah, I'm free to do that. You can eat this meat that was sacrificed. Don't waste don't waste the meat because they're they're sacrificing it to gods that don't exist. They're not real. They made them up so they could participate participate in all kind of pleasurable activities in in the name of whatever their religion. But he said, you know what? But I'm not going to do it, even though I could. The answer is yes, but I'm going to say no because in this certain situation, I don't want my brother to stumble. But don't you notice too that? Let's take another break. That whenever, like a, a woman came up to me yesterday, and after Larry's sermon, which I found odd, but she'd been wanting to ask me this question. So, I mean, Larry just done this thing, and I'm still just like, you know, I'm still just, my mind is still running on that. And she said, I, I got a question for you. She's a sweet little sister that comes to WFR, and she said, it's about whether something's a sin. And so immediately I thought, just what we were talking about, I thought she, now, so sometimes when I've been asked that question, and y'all too, it's something obvious. Like, it's like, well, you know, here, and you, you may refer them to something that's like, that's probably not a good idea. But she had one of these things I'd never heard of before. I can't even remember the whole scenario, but she's telling it to me, and I'm listening. I said, well, I don't know anything about what you're talking about, but why do you think you're asking me about this? And she just stopped, and I said, why are you even asking me about this? She said, well, because you're a preacher. And I, I thought you, I said, no, you're asking me because something inside of your own mind has, because you're participating in this, you don't feel good about it. Mm-hmm. I, said, is that, I said, is it safe to say you feel like you're kind of getting up close to a line that you're not comfortable with? She said, oh, that's how I felt. That's why I came and talked to you. I said, well, the Holy Spirit lives in you. I said, everything that was written was written by him. But if you're feeling like you're cu- coming up to a line, I would just be aware of that and maybe take a step back yeah. because you're probably being convicted that this, this behavior you're talking about is probably not right. Now, I didn't even know what she was talking about, but I do trust and know that the Holy Spirit will convict us. And so I think well, that's that, as big a point yeah. as anything. So yeah. it could be something like this that we're not even familiar with about food sacrifice to idol. But in that culture, there's no doubt from Paul's writing that there were people that were literally struggling. Should I eat this meat or should I not? Yep. I mean, I think a better answer maybe is just to say, if you ask God about it, I mean, he knows you better than I do. Right. I mean, what are they going to say? I mean, do you believe he's living and active? He knows what's deep down in the motivations of your heart. I mean, he knows why you're wanting to do this, when, where, how. He knows all this. That to me, most stuff could be answered if you asked yourself if you really believe God is present and is all knowing down deep in your soul. Right. He knows why you're wanting to do this. Well, some that's what I'm saying. Some things, you remember when Paul said the act of the sinful nature is obvious? Then he, he lists some of the things that are. Some things are pretty obvious. This is against God. This is against your, yourself. This is against other people. It's against your relationship. But then other things are debatable. You know, for one person, it's not a big deal. For another person, it is. And that's where we're into that. that. That's what, I mean, he says in chapter 9, he starts off. And so, yes. Which, by the way, before you go there. So, chapter 9, I think, is Paul illustrating with himself about the idea about giving up rights. So, I think that's Mm -hmm. kind of the backdrop of this. And I think you're right, because 15, before I read 1, 9.15 says, I have not used any of these rights. So, we'll see what they are in a second. Right. And then he was uh, in verse 18, he says, What then is my reward, just this, that in preaching the gospel I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. So he's given up his rights. That's why we said, you know, we have one of the things that we love about our country is the Declaration of Independence, and we support that. It makes our country great. But in Christ, it's a declaration of dependence on his power, Holy Spirit, his lordship, Jesus, and who he is, and him being our father. That's where we get the idea of family that he, that he built. But we give that up to be a part of this. And so when he says 9-1, am I not free? 
Well, yes. He, we're free in Christ. We're the free people, which is the opposite of what we thought when we left Christ. Because we thought, oh, I don't want to follow a bunch of rules and regulations. I want to be free. But actually, by saying that and declaring your independence outside of God, you mm-hmm. become locked up under a system that will not produce freedom. You become a slave to sin, which we all do. Right. So then he says, I am, am I not an apostle? And then I, I like this. This is a, a, a subtle point. But it says, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? And a lot of people have made, a lot of scholars have made the argument that to be an apostle, you had to be an eyewitness Mm -hmm. to the resurrected Lord. And I I believe that. I believe that's what gave them the special rights to disperse the miraculous powers and gifts. We can talk about that later because we'll get to that, I guess, in 11 and 12. Right. But then he says, are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? <coughs> so here's a, here's a yes or no question. So he's using the same illustration. Now, when he gets to Corinthians, I mean, I kind of went, ahead just to show you what his point was in that he's trying to get them back focused on the relationship aspect of who God is and the lordship of Jesus and the and the communion with the Holy Spirit. That's what he's trying, right. trying to get them to focus on and not on the yes or no rule-oriented basis for existence. So then he says, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us? So, so much for him not believing in that, right. which he gets from a lot of scholars and That's religious right. people. It wasn't about that, which I think Larry did a good job on that. And the Lord's brothers and Cephas, or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? And then he comes up with which this. Which tells you something else, which I didn't realize until this context. I hadn't thought about that Barnabas was single, too. Exactly. Yeah, which I had not thought about before. But he mentions all the ones back in Jerusalem. All Jesus' brothers and those that were part of the early church there, James, all those guys, and Peter, were all married and had family. So, so then he gets in the... Illust- on, let's take a break. So then he gets in the illustration about whether it's okay to take money for doing the Lord's work. So he says, who serves as a soldier, verse 7, at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, don't muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. It is about oxen that God is concerned. Surely he says this. And that was, a pro- that was a, something they were doing, by the way. They were so stingy. They would muzzle an ox where he couldn't eat some of the grains that were falling along. And, and so the point was... Are you so greedy that even the animal working for you can't eat some of the produce? You know, right. that was and he point. gets into the uh, reaping and sowing. But verse 12, he says, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? So that's about the money, whether it's okay to be supported. That So evidently that was a big issue there. But look, even today it is. I mean, one of the reasons I didn't want to do ministry for money is because people would say when I tried to help them. or I You're tried doing to your ministry them, for money. That's what they did. <laughs> I couldn't deal with that. So the first person who said that, I went up there. And I was like, okay, I quit because <laughs> I'm going to do this for free. Now, I could have received money. It's nothing wrong with it. I mean, just like what Paul is saying. But for me, I just didn't want somebody to say that. So I just said, not doing it money yep but so then he goes to verse uh but he said well we did not use this right on the contrary we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of christ which was my whole point which i think was his point yep is that the gospel of jesus being put out there is what this is all about and you having a, a relationship and a communion with that's what he was trying to get them to make their decision process on. Yeah, and he, and he even uses Jason. That's why I went across the river to a little church. It had gotten down so low that, you know, they said, well, we're going to throw in the towel. I said, oh, we were kicking it around the elders. I said, I'll go over there free of charge. I'll, I don't mind going. So I just went on over there and 
now. It's a vibrant little church there. Right. But but no money is changing hands. Right. And, and it's worked really well, and, and which we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But he says in verse 13, don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple? Those who serve at the altar share what is offered on the altar. Now, he's going back under Jewish law. You know, the things that were sacrificed, then the people, the Levites, they got to partake in that. That's how they ate. Yep. Was what was what what was sacrificed and what was brought there. He says, in the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their leaving from the gospel. So it's not a question about whether you can. Right. And then comes back to him, it's a question about whether you want to. And then he repeats again what you said, Jace, but I have not used any of these rights. But then he takes it a step further. He said, I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things. So it's kind of funny. It's almost like if you think I'm bringing this up because I want some money, you're misinterpreting. Because most preachers do. They're like, exactly. it's not about the money. And they'll preach a good sermon and then say, all right, let's do a love offering here. <laughs> That's right. Because, <laughs> I mean, my kids need a new pair of shoes. I'm just saying. <laughs> but this is the way Paul puts it. I would rather die then have anyone deprive me of this boast? Now, that's a that's a pretty strong statement. He said, I would rather you kill me than pay me. That's what he said. Yeah. Because he liked the fact of being able to say, which is what you talked about earlier, that I'm not, this is not how I'm gaining my living. You're I'm not going to, you're not going to nail me on this one. No, I'm the same way. I sympathize with him. Right. But he took it way further than I did. I mean, and he articulated it way better, but I guess. You know, it was under the Spirit's hand. But when he said in 18, what then is my reward? Just this. I love this phrase. It's really good. Preaching Jesus and the gospel. Preaching the gospel. I may offer free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Which he's given up his rights for the furtherance of the kingdom and people eternal destiny is going to be changed. I mean, you just think about that. We're going to be in heaven together. And even though this is all about God's power and, and his plan, when you look over across heaven and see somebody that you shared with, I mean, that's going that's gonna have to make you feel good about this, right. how God used you to change the eternal destiny of another person. Plus, for all those gospel preachers out there, like our man over in the Middle East there, I mean, in Corinth now, well, were they expecting to starve to death while he's well, trying? Well, Jason's already said what he's doing as a personal sacrifice. Should we not get him over there to help his work? Should we not make sure he's making, you know, able to feed his family while he's in the process? Because uh, he's already given up, you know. What kind of logic is of that? Here. Yeah, it makes no sense. But. I mean, look, I'm going to be transparent here. The first time I heard Larry, the first time I met him, he was, he, y'all had invited him. Uh, White's Ferry Road, and I when he got up, I thought, "Oh, here we go, missionary. This ought to be good." <laughs> I mean, I had a terrible attitude, and uh, but when he started talking, I was, "Oh, it's country boy. He's from Oklahoma. This might be good." Well, he just shared Jesus. He didn't talk about his mission. He he. It was just a the deity a, of Jesus. A Thirty man. minute presentation on the deity of Jesus. It's one of the best I I've ever. I leaned over to Missy and I said, "You got your checkbook." <laughs> And she said, yeah, why? I said, I'm fixing to write him a check. And she said, well, you don't even know what he does. I was like, I don't care. I'm for that. The, the guy's a missionary, and he got up and shared Jesus in a real clever, creative, powerful way. And I know they said he was a missionary. I said, I'm supporting to him. She's like, well, we can do this and get something about taxes. I was like, I ain't worried about all that. I said, I want to check now. And she said, how much? And I 3,000 popped into my head because I thought the last time I heard a sermon like this is when I was reading in Acts 2. It was a guy named Peter. I said, 3,000 responded. So I said, that's a good number. Write it for 3,000. And to her credit, she said, I'm in. Because she thought it was great, too. And that's how I met him. But even the presentation that he gave Sunday, this Sunday, because he was coming through, and so we wanted him to preach. But he didn't talk about his work. No. I mean, it's the same. Well, I know his work since I now recently went there, which I was even more impressed once I I got there, that a human, you're talking about becoming, uh, you know, sacrificial, like Paul's going to eventually 
get to where he says, I make myself in verse 19 a slave to everyone to his, to win as many as possible. Because I'm telling you, there's nothing about the culture there and the city there that's appealing to a guy from Oklahoma. It's just not appealing. Right. It's not comfortable. The food's not that great. It's dirty. It's smelly. They got plumbing problems. They're, the crime rate's ridiculous. I mean, there's just one thing after another. It's rule-oriented. That it's The government is just intrusive on your life. I'm like, get out of here. But he's like, no, I'm doing this sacrifice because God is protecting these refugees that are coming out in there in search for Jesus. By the way, all these people in America that want to go towards socialism, go to Greece. You need to go to Greece and hang out there for about a month. And you tell me how well socialism is working out. Great, great point. So anyway, I, I walked. When he sat down by his wife after that sermon, I just got up. And he immediately went up there and sat beside him. I said, I'm Jace Robertson. I'm, I want to help support your ministry. And I handed him that check. And he's like, well, we, you know, we're not here for money. <laughs> I mean, he would start talking, talking out. Of, he went Paul here yeah. saying, I was like, well, I figure you can do something with that to get that message to wherever. I said, where are you going? You know, and he's like, well, we, we have this ministry in Greece. Yeah. I was like, well. There's you a plane ticket or however you're getting over. I don't know, but I want to support this. But it what I was supporting it because I didn't. It wasn't that I, I I didn't know him. I didn't know where he was headed. But that message of Jesus resonated with the same thing Paul was saying. And I'm like, I'm behind this. I'm behind getting that message to other people. And I don't think that was his plan, but it sure worked with me. Right. You know. And then he didn't want to take it, which made me really feel good about it then. Well, and I think it's back to the overall point, which is, and I think what he's culminating here from eight to now, because he's he was talking about really what is a minor should have been a minor matter about eating this food, but it became a major thing. And he's trying to tell them, compared to the gospel, it really is minor. And when we get to chapter ten, um, in you know the next podcast, you'll see that he says there is a danger from idolatry. Because the next chapter, he's going to show you it is bad when you don't have Jesus right. But what we're talking about here is not that bad. And I, so, I, I do want to mention the last paragraph, because I do think for the culture around there, I mean, it's where we even now have, you know, our Olympics or whatever. And I think he used that illustration. Yeah, let's. Uh, we're out of time. Let's save that for the overtime, because I want to talk about that, too. Uh, just as a reminder, uh, if you go to blazetv.com slash unashamed, we have our overtime segments that are there, along with everything else that Blaze is offering. So uh, we're going to continue a little bit of this discussion we didn't quite get to there. So if you want to come join us or if you're already there, uh, we'll finish it up there. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.